You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back. It's another Thursday edition. They are always Thursday editions, although this is the Thursday edition that may have never happened. I don't know what was going on, guys. I had some major technical problems. We lost Corey. I, I couldn't keep him on. I just I, We lost him. I mean, couldn't hear him. Then he couldn't <laughs> hear me. Then I could hear him, and he could hear me, and then we couldn't hear each other again. I had gave up. I gave up. We've got his best bets of the week. I'll throw him in at the end. We're not going to miss out on that, but I do still have Daniel here with me. Hi, Daniel. Welcome back to the huddle. Hello, Tony. Thank you. It's been a wild week, too. And I don't know how many fantasy football teams you have, but I feel like I've got 50 and all 50 of them are fucked because of the injuries <laughs> in week two. There's no way around it, man. It was absolutely brutal. At one point, I saw a Schefter tweet that said there were seven ACLs. I think by the end of week two, we had nine ACL injuries and they were all notable. I mean, whether we're talking about fantasy football or real life football, Every one of these players that's been affected by these major injuries is so important to their team. It, it just absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. I mean, we see it every year. Week two is a year, is a week where we typically do see these kinds of, of flare ups. I mean, it happens. It's just the way, the way of things with conditioning, with things that I don't understand because I'm not a professional athlete and I don't have, have that kind of expertise and training or, or a trainer. Um, I mean, this is this is what happens when when these when these grown men start slamming into each other, injuries pop up, and it's typically early early in the season. It's not unusual to have this many, but it does seem it does seem wild. Do you think this has anything to do with no training camp? Is it aggravated? Is this you're kind of a stats guy? Is this something? Is this really normal, or is this? Do you think this could be because we haven't had time to get ready? Um. I mean, without a preseason, it's tough to tell, but we usually do have a lot of, you know, preseason injuries that go, you know, throughout the year. We have a lot of ACL tears every year, but um, I I do feel it has something to do with the preseason. And we're kind of, even though the, the actual NFL season has started, we're kind of getting kind of a kind of a hybrid start of season slash preseason um, that we're seeing in these injuries. But yeah, I, I, I do feel like there's kind of a, there's kind of a variable here with no preseason week one, when we came through week one, I was kind of surprised. I'm thinking, you know, these guys aren't all in football shape. I'm surprised we haven't had so many injuries and then week two hit. And it's exactly what I felt like week one would have been. So, yes, I think there is definitely a variable there. It's been brutal. I mean, there's no way around it. And even if we're not talking about ACL injuries, I mean, across the league, I don't feel like I've ever, ever seen injuries to this magnitude. I, I guess, and, and that makes me, my, my first thought is, is there a team that was supposed to be that can't be because of their injuries? Does that make sense? Am I asking it the right way? Which team is most crippled by week two? I, I, does that make sense? Who would you pick if I had to ask you that question? Yeah, and I, I think it's an easy pick. Um, you know, me and Corey, I believe, were on the same page of, um, you know, the Super Bowl hangover. There's always seems to be a Super Bowl hangover, injuries or not. 
of the team that loses the Super Bowl seems to always struggle the next year. And I think that team struck again with the 49ers. They have just been riddled with injuries. I mean, before the week even started, okay, we talk about week two injuries, but before the week even started, the 49ers lost Richard Sherman. Okay, their number one starting cornerback. And then the week started, and then they lost their starting quarterback, their number one and two starting running backs. So Raheem Mostert, I don't know if you guys watched the game, but he took the opening play. Okay, they had the kickoff ran back. It got on the 20, and he took the opening play 80 yards to a touchdown. Okay, so this is a major injury. Raheem Mostert, the the darling of the you know the previous season, went into the Super Bowl. He was great throughout the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman both suffered injuries this game. And I'll tell you what, the the thing, the two things that were the most impressive with the 49ers last year was their running game and their defense. Okay, yeah. those are the two things that carry a team to the Super Bowl. They have lost both. Okay, their 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 full starting defensive line from last year is now gone. They traded Buckner. That was what I was going to say. As everybody's so focused on these injuries that we're forgetting that Buckner was a part of that unit a year ago that's not there anymore. Yeah, and if they could do it over again, they wouldn't have traded him. Because they didn't know this was going to happen, but goodness. So they traded Buckner. They lost Nick Bosa, okay, reigning defensive rookie of the year to a torn ACL. They lost also in the same game Sullivan Thomas to a torn ACL. So two ACLs on the same line in the same game. Okay, D Ford, he's hurt too. And they're checking out this MetLife Stadium field because the turf um, is supposedly to blame for some of this. But I I, I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier. You know, it's preseason, you know, week four kind of, but it's actually the season week two that we're seeing a lot of these injuries. But the 49ers definitely, it's an easy pick, but they were definitely hit the most. What do you think? The 49ers were the low-hanging fruit. I almost wanted to make a draft out of it so that I could have the opportunity to make make that pick. (laughs) I had the question lined up. It was a good question. I'll save it, though. I'll I'll get you with that next time. I was hoping you would ask it. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to save that for one that I really want. I'll take a more difficult pick, a less obvious pick, a pick that, that is seemingly on the surface less legitimate because it encompasses just one player. But the loss of Michael Thomas is brutal to the New Orleans Saints. I went back and looked at Drew Brees' performance throughout his career. And in the six years before Michael Thomas showed up, only one of those six years did Drew Brees complete 70 or more percent of his passes. Since Michael Thomas' appearance, one, two, three, four in four years, four years in a row. Michael Thomas has been an absolute safety blanket for that offense. And coupled with the defense, like we talked about before, with where in San Francisco it was a run-first team with a stout defense, in New Orleans it was a great defense 
and Michael Thomas was there to make sure nothing went wrong. And that's part of why I believe that Saints have been so dominant for so many years in a row because they, they do this thing where they go in and they go out and they go in and they go out. You can you, you look back at it. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now and it's glaringly obvious to me that they are a roller coaster of a team until the last four or five years. Michael Thomas is the heartbeat of the New Orleans football team. And I, 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 I feel bad because I'm not going to be able to, to cover as many topics as you just did with as many players as, as San Francisco just lost. But Michael Thomas is worth more than all those players combined, in my opinion, to the New Orleans Saints. I, I, I mean, I completely agree. When I watched Monday night against the Raiders, this is a Raiders team, okay? The Saints were favored pretty good amount. And when the Saints came in, Drew Brees, he did. He looked lost without Michael Thomas. I mean, Alvin Kamara had a great game because he was the main beneficiary of Michael Thomas being out. He didn't have that safety blanket anymore. Alvin Kamara served as his safety blanket because when he dropped back, he's used to looking at Michael Thomas and he's used to being open. And... It was, it was just kind of a struggle all around. I mean, the Saints running game, you, you stack the box and you shadow Alvin Kamara and you almost shut down that, that team. But with Michael Thomas in there, they are a completely different offensive team. So I, I, I completely agree. I'm going to throw another one at you just as a kind of a close second place for me. And it's the New York Giants. When you lose a talent like Saquon Barkley, he is the Adrian Peterson of today. You know, the the running back, they can do it all. The unstoppable force, the kind of godlike, you know, build um, who can't be stopped. He, he Saquon Barkley may be the best overall running back in the league. I mean, if you put him on the best offense in the league, he's going to put up the best stats for sure. But not only that, they lose Saquon Barkley, which were you were you following along in that game were you i mean did you see the elbow injury the play before so he got tackled on a play right before this literally one play before this he got tackled and his arm he reached out to stop his fall he was falling to the ground of getting tackled and his elbow i mean they made it as a major update for this elbow injury okay and his elbow bent in they were calling it a hyperextended elbow. I thought he was going to be out of the game. Lo and behold, he comes I in the next I do remember this. Pool. I do remember okay, this. So yes. He comes in the very next play. Yes. He tears his ACL. I mean, I felt so bad for him because uh, I, he is the face of that team, Saquon Barkley is. And then you mix into it the loss of Sterling Shepard, their I mean, seemingly number one option. I mean, Darius Slayton is in that conversation as the number one option, but Darius Slayton is more like the long ball guy, but Sterling Shepard is kind of the, kind of the check down, more talented, younger, you know, version of Golden Tate. But I mean, for the Giants to lose Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard in the same game, I mean, that really hurts Daniel Jones upside for the rest of the year. So he basically has Golden Tate to throw to, other than Darius Slayton, who they know to double team after that week one, two touchdown performance against Pittsburgh. I mean, the Giants won't be a same team without Saquon Barkley. They're going to have to fill in. They, they just signed Devonta Freeman this week, but it's going to be a running back by committee 
kind of trying to replace Saquon's numbers within three or four running backs. I mean, it's going to be really tough. We're just two weeks into the season, but two weeks in, the Giants sit 0-2 with 29 points for and the lowest of their division, 43 points against at 0-2. Is there a chance that the Giants pull this together? I think we talked about a chance that the Giants could make the playoffs. Is there a chance still? Is it is it just two weeks into the season already out of grasp for the Giants? It's tough to say after two weeks because we make all these predictions and two weeks in, you know, things could definitely flip the script and become the complete opposite. But I think it is going to be tough, honestly, for the Giants to to do what they were supposed to do in my mind. I mean, the Giants were a pick that I had, you know, just an underrated pick to make the playoffs, as you guys know. But without Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard is out a couple weeks. It's going to be tough, to be honest. Is there is there a team that you see that has started zero and two that may have a better chance than the Giants to kind of kind of go the distance, kind of make the playoffs and prove us wrong here? Well, I'm going to go back to the Falcons immediately. They're leading yeah. the division in points scored. I mean, electric, completely electric. And, and although Julio, oddly, has not really been the dominant presence, we. Expect He just recently got paid to be that dominant presence. Uh, we did expect Calvin Ridley to take a step forward, and he has done that. Hayden Hurst is who we thought he was. We saw that in week two. Uh, the one thing about the Falcons that concerns me is that the defense is hemorrhaging. I mean, they, they just uh, – offense can do whatever they want. Now, I say that out of one side of my mouth. Out of the other side, week one was the Seahawks. Week two was the Cowboys. I mean, those are pretty tough opponents for week one and two. So maybe when you consider that against, uh, the, you know, Tampa Bay had the Panthers in week two. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, when you consider that to the rest of the division and who they've had to deal with through just two weeks, I'm still very optimistic about the Falcons. We have an extra playoff team each year. And I'm the only concern with them is the defense. But yeah, I think the Falcons can still do it. Yeah, the Falcons are a very good team. Um, it really sucks that they were embarrassed again last week with the Cowboys comeback. Um, you know, everyone's comparing that to the Super Bowl comeback that the Patriots had against them, and they're kind of getting roasted right now. And I think, honestly, Dan Quinn, what do you think about Dan Quinn being fired possibly midseason? I mean, if they lose this matchup against the Bears this week, I mean, Dan Quinn is on one of the hottest seats in the NFL. If Dan Quinn gets fired, do you think the Falcons can still do it with just the kind of the change that goes on there, maybe possibly? I don't see Dan Quinn getting fired at the end of week three. I mean, I, I think that's going to be pretty hard hard to do. What What have the Falcons done the last few years? Let me take a look here real quick. I mean, they've always been a good team. I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, when they when they suit up, Matt Ryan is good for about 300 yards. And, you know, you have Julio on one side, Calvin Ridley on the other. You know, they've had a they've had a rotation of really good, talented running backs. Their defense has always been a problem, and it's not really been a problem as far as talent. It's been injury. So I, I think I was really shocked that Dan Quinn didn't get fired last year. So that I guess that's why I'm expecting it this year. Yeah, and now that I look back on it, I don't see. 
it's a hot seat, that's for sure. Seven and nine, 2018, seven and nine, 2019. Looks yeah. like seven and nine, 2020. I don't see it happening in week three. I guess that's, I guess that's, I'm not changing my answer. Uh, yeah, Dan Quinn is on the hottest seat. But at the same time, man, I, uh, that, I mean, the offense is performing. Is, is Dan Quinn calling the plays? Is he the play caller? I believe so, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, if Dan Quinn's a play caller and they're scoring points, I don't know who I have other questions. Who put that defense together? Who's calling, who's calling the shots on defense. I want to know those things at the same time. The head coach gets the blame. He gets the credit. He gets the blame. So yeah, Dan Quinn's on the hot seat. Um, you got anybody else there? I mean, now that we're talking about hot seats, who's, uh, who's the next hot seat is Dan Quinn, the hottest seat. Oh God. I hope certainly not. I mean, the worst, the hottest seat that should be happening in the NFL is Adam Gase in New York, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, good Lord. How is uh, that guy still employed as a head coach? I don't know how there's a seat for Adam Gase at all. But if he's going <laughs> to have one, if he's going to have one, it should be hot for sure. <laughs> it should be the flaming stone that was sitting on the fire for an hour. <laughs> but going back to your question, of 0-2 teams. So the current 0-2 teams, Dolphins, Falcons, who you mentioned, Vikings, Giants, Eagles, Texans, Jets, Panthers, Broncos, Lions. Normally I would be all on the Broncos train, but they, going back to the injuries that that happened in week two. They lost Drew Locke for an extended period of time. Cortland Sutton is officially out for the year, their best receiver. Um, they've had some injuries on defense with Von Miller. I I can't pick the Broncos. I'm going to pick the Eagles, and uh, I still feel like Carson Wentz is better than what kind of has you know been led on. I think he has two great tight ends in Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz in no particular order, by the way. (laughs) I still think Zach Ertz is a tight end one versus Dallas Goddard. Um, They've definitely had some injuries, as they always do, but Miles Sanders is getting healthy. Uh, Jason Peters is getting healthy. Their offensive line is getting healthy. They did have an injury this week. Jalen Rager, their uh, rookie first round draft pick wide receiver out of TCU. But I still think they have a good, good enough talent on that wide receiving core. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, they have JJR Sega Whiteside. They have great. It's Arthega Whiteside. Sorry, Arthega with a TH. Um, sorry, my, my Spanish hasn't been great since, um, since high school, but um, Your Spanish probably I, I, wasn't even that great in high school, to be honest with you, Daniel. Yeah, it probably wasn't. Um, yeah, Spanish was, was not my strong suit. But I think the Eagles could turn it around like they did a couple of years ago. I mean, out of nowhere, they had a great defense, and no one saw it coming. And all of a sudden, they just you know made the Super Bowl. And then they went ahead and won it against the Patriots, who are the best team in the league. So I think with Carson Wentz there – anything is possible because even on that year, Carson Wentz led them to that playoff run. And I, I still believe in Carson Wentz. I still believe in that Eagles. And I, I, I still believe in that division. 
being very, very weak to where, you know, you have Dallas Eagles, you have the Redskins, uh, sorry, the Washington football team, not the Redskins. Uh, Stop saying it. <laughs> the Redskins are no more. That will never be spoken Stop again. Stop it. <laughs> I understand. It's a weak division. If you had to bet, who do you think, who do you bet comes out on top? Of that division? Yeah. So between the Cowboys, the Washington football team, the Eagles and the Giants, I think the, I think the Cowboys take that division still just because they have the talent that hasn't been hurt yet. But I think the Eagles could, could definitely swoop in as a wild card possibility. All right, that's what I got for today. But I want Corey's best bets. And as promised, we're going to patch him in. But we had to do a three-way call with Corey. It was really hard to explain. Forgive the quality, but the bets are still there. The bets are still quality. So deal with it because you're going to make money if you just listen to this next five minutes of the podcast. You ready? Let's do it. Best bets of the week. Welcome back to Best Bets of the Week. Corey had a great week two. He went three and one last week. I actually parlayed them, although Corey recommends never parlaying them. Uh, but I went ahead and did it. He barely lost that last game, but he went three and one, five and three on the season. Corey, what are you thinking this week? Uh, it's a tough week. Uh, my first one, I've got the Falcons minus three. They're at home against the Bears. Bears are two and zero. Oh. I think the Falcons are zero oh and two. Um, but I think Trubisky's due for a bad game, and the Falcons are at home. I think they usually play well at home. Um, so I'm going to take the minus three with the Falcons. Uh, that should be a good one. We're going to roll with the Rams. They're plus two at Buffalo. Josh Allen's been really hot. Uh, I expect him to come down to earth a little bit too. Um, and the Rams are just my team right now. I think they're playing some of the best football in the league. They just have one of those offenses. It's more of like a college all- offense. They don't lean on any one thing, and they can win however they need to. So uh, Rams plus two, they're getting points again. Roll with it. I'm going to take the Texans plus four at the Steelers. I don't know if the Texans win this game, but I feel like it's going to be a really good one. Two teams on the AFC that are up and coming. Uh, should both be competitive this year. I expect it to be a good game. Uh, really, I'm just preferring Deshaun Watson over Ben Roethlisberger right here. In my last game is the Bucks minus six at the Broncos. Broncos don't have Drew Locke. Um, Driscoll was playing last week, and they just brought in Bortles. So I, I think we're going to have trouble putting up points. The Bucks should be able to, even though they are the away team. I expect the Bucks to win by more than six. Put them in. There you have it. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Three.